You're listening to On Development, a podcast of the Millennium Challenge Corporation, or MCC. MCC is an independent United States government international development agency whose mission is reducing poverty through economic growth. In this episode, Noreen Hock and Terry Fletcher discuss MCC's new scorecard indicators and how they measure disability rights and lessons learned from countries working to improve their scorecard performance. Noreen Hock is Associate Director of Selection, Eligibility, and Policy Performance. Noreen helps guide MCC's annual country selection process, the monitoring of policy performance in MCC partner countries, and completion of strategic projects. Prior to joining MCC, Noreen designed, managed, and implemented rule of law and democracy and governance programs across the Middle East and North Africa. Terry Fletcher is Senior Development Policy Officer for Selection, Eligibility, and Policy Performance. Terry is responsible for producing the data on MCC scorecards and reviewing the quantitative components of MCC's selection model. Before coming to MCC, Terry worked as a contractor for the Gates Foundation, researching the best methods for measuring crop yield and agricultural transformation in developing countries. Before that, he served as a Peace Corps volunteer in the Gambia. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us on On Development. This episode, I am actually going to turn the mic over to my good friends from the Department of Policy and Evaluation, Noreen and Terry. So with that, I'm just going to say, go for it, Noreen. Hi, Terry. Thank you for sitting down with me today to discuss selection season at MCC. Hi, Noreen. Glad to be here. Uh, Thanks for sitting down and chat with me as well. So, Terry, we recently released our FY23 scorecards, which are foundational in determining the country's eligible to partner with MCC. Can you tell us a little bit about the scorecard overall and what it measures and how MCC uses it in its selection process? Sure, Noreen. Thanks. That's a great question. So, MCC produces scorecards for every country that's considered a low-income country or a lower-middle-income country by the World Bank. These scorecards help our board of directors to assess which countries are the best governed of the world's poorest countries. We do this through the use of 20 different indicators on the scorecards. Those 20 indicators are broadly grouped into ruling justly, investing in people, and economic freedom. All of those indicators are produced by third-party independent indicator institutions. Uh, So we're not creating any of these data ourselves. We're going out there in the world and looking for third-party institutions that have created good, rigorous data sets that measure different concepts around democratic rights, around being able to invest in health and education of your people, and around giving folks economic freedom, and opportunities to grow businesses. The board of directors looks at those scorecards, and when they do, they're assessing three main things. One, is a country able to pass half of the overall 20 indicators? Two, is a country able to pass the democratic rights hard hurdle, so pass either the political rights or the civil liberties indicator? And three, is a country able to pass the control of corruption hard hurdle, which means passing the control of corruption indicator? Most of the indicators on the scorecard are comparative, which means it's a competition. Countries need to perform better than other countries of a similar income level. They need to perform better than the middle country, than the 50th percentile, than the median country 
in their income pool in order to pass most indicators on the scorecard. The board considers all of this information in making its assessments of which countries have the best policy performance, but also the best opportunity for MCC to reduce poverty through economic growth. So we recently released our FY23 scorecards, which are foundational in determining the countries eligible to partner with MCC. And this year's annual scorecards received an update. We added a new scorecard indicator. Terry, can you tell us a little bit more about the origins of this new indicator and what it measures? Of course, sure. We're very excited about this new indicator that we have. Uh, it was just recently endorsed by um, MCC's board of directors at their September 2022 board meeting. Um, and it's a really cool indicator. So following the cancellation of the Doing Business report last year, MCC engaged in an exhaustive search to find a good replacement for the business startup indicator on our scorecard. And we initially started looking for indicators that were focused on the business environment to kind of pair with that indicator. Unfortunately, there weren't any good data sets out there on the business environment that had broad coverage of low and lower middle income countries, which are the countries that receive MCC scorecards, but weren't themselves based on doing business data. But we saw this as an opportunity. We saw this as an opportunity to look at some of the concepts that MCC's board must consider by statute and see where there were gaps in what we were measuring on the scorecard. We identified two areas that were either not previously covered by the scorecard at all, or were only minimally covered, workers' rights and disability rights. The new indicator, which we call employment opportunity, measures four different things that capture these concepts well, according to experts. Workplace discrimination, disability rights, the elimination of forced labor, and the ability of civil society organizations to start up. Now, the last component may seem a little weird, but according to experts, this component is really important because CSOs are crucial to ensure that workers' legal rights are protected in practice. Additionally, this indicator was well correlated with the old business startup indicator, in part because CSOs face some of the same hurdles to starting up in countries as businesses do. By making this indicator more inclusive and adding disability rights to the scorecard for the very first time, this move is well in line with MCC's new inclusion and gender strategy. Great. That's very interesting. Uh, Terry, let me ask you, which of the 20 indicators on MCC's scorecard are the most challenging for countries to pass? Great question, Doreen. So when we've analyzed the scorecard in the past, we found that two of the hardest indicators to pass or for countries to make progress on are the democratic rights indicators of political rights and civil liberties. This is in part because autocrats, dictators are hesitant to engage in democratic and civil reforms that might jeopardize their grip on power. And additionally, in the last several years, we have seen democratic backsliding around the world, particularly in countries with weak institutions and weak governance profiles overall. This means that countries that are trying to reform in those, these areas are facing global headwinds that make it even harder to become more democratic or have better protections for civil liberty. But 
we have seen, despite these headwinds, we have seen countries engage in reforms and newly pass the scorecard. Noreen, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about some of those kind of success stories that we have? Sure. Um, there are a number of partner countries and non-partner countries that were historically performing poorly on various indicators on our scorecard, including the democratic rights indicators you just mentioned in the ruling justice category. These countries have undertaken policies and reforms to enhance their performance um, on the scorecard. And in several instances, MCC learned that several countries have actually established scorecard teams in the offices of the president, prime minister, or the minister of finance. These teams have been established to coordinate interministerial efforts to enhance countries' performance on the scorecard. And this clear incentivizing effect of NCC's democratic governance eligibility criteria is something we frequently refer to as the MCC effect. One example of the MCC effect in action is Cote d'Ivoire. For over a decade, the government of Cote d'Ivoire has had a team within the executive office dedicated to strengthening the country's performance on the scorecard in hopes of being selected for MCC assistance in the future. And since 2011, when the country failed the scorecard due to only passing five indicators, the scorecard team has continually to continually engage with MCC and the indicator institutions that produce the data used on the MCC scorecard to help the government determine which critical reforms it should undertake. These have not only resulted in significant improvements in Cote d'Ivoire's performance on the scorecard, where they increased the number of indicators passed uh, all the way up to 14 at one point, but they've also strengthened the country's overall policy environment. And several other countries have also undertaken similar uh, processes in countries such as Sierra Leone, Kosovo, Liberia, and Togo. We've also seen governments establish scorecard teams to strengthen their scorecard performance and become qualified for MCC assistance. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I think Cote d'Ivoire is a, a particularly impressive story. I think they're one of the few countries, if not the only country, that's gone from failing all three of the criteria, failing control of corruption, failing democratic rights, failing half the scorecard overall, all the way to fully passing the scorecard and continues to improve. They moved up to a more competitive category and have continued to improve there and, and beat the performance. So a, a great success story for sure. Now, countries around the world have continued to face the lingering effects of COVID-19 and are now being affected by economic spillovers emanating from the Russia-Ukraine conflict. How does MCC take that into account when considering which countries to select? Sure. Outside of considering countries' policy performance of a scorecard, MCC is statutorily required to consider where there are opportunities to reduce poverty and generate economic growth. And when making this determination, one of the things that we look at is the level of poverty in a country and the vulnerabilities that it's facing. As you rightly noted, the world has changed. The pandemic, the war in Ukraine, the increase in natural disasters, rising migration, and food insecurity are all challenges facing countries on their development paths that have widened, been widened and deepened over the past few years. MCC has a track record of success of working with countries to tackle such challenges. And recently, MCC stakeholders have been asking us to do more in more places. 
Hold that thought. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll discuss the Millennium Challenge Corporation Eligibility Expansion Act and its impact on the selection process. about MCC scorecards, please visit www.mcc.gov forward slash scorecards. In July, the House Foreign Affairs Committee advanced the Millennium Challenge Corporation Eligibility Expansion Act, a bipartisan piece of legislation that would expand the number of countries eligible for development partnerships with the agency. How, Noreen, would expanding the eligibility pool to the world's 125 poorest countries impact our selection process? Sure. As we talked about before the break, MCC has a track record of being very effective at accomplishing our mission of reducing poverty through growth. And our stakeholders want to see MCC bring that expertise to bear in a wider set of countries. To assess where MCC's assistance would be most impactful, we looked at 10 different dimensions of vulnerability facing countries, from conflict vulnerability to food insecurity to climate vulnerability and multidimensional poverty. What we found was that many countries that MCC is currently legally excluded from working in experience extreme vulnerabilities. Currently, by statute, we're only able to work with low-income and lower-middle-income countries as designated by the World Bank. Expanding MCC's candidate pool would allow us to apply our rigorous selection process to more countries that experience these vulnerabilities. Using the poorest 125 countries as a threshold would allow MCC to then consider over 90% of vulnerable countries across every dimension of vulnerability. I can't resist. This is Aisha. I have to ask the question. With those uh, additional countries, how does that, if at all, diversify the types of countries or the, the areas and regions where MCC is currently working? Sure. Currently, MCC is working predominantly in Africa, uh, in the Africa region. Expanding the candidate pool allows us to look at countries in a greater subset of countries in Eastern Europe and in the Pacific and in Latin America. So it opens up the aperture and the opportunities for MCC to engage and apply our rigorous model and methodology to helping uh, address vulnerabilities and alleviate poverty in a wider subset of countries. Great. Thanks, Noreen. I know that I kicked it off to you all to have this chat, but I couldn't resist and so I had to ask. Um, so thank you both so much. That's all the time we have for today. But I'm sure we'll be talking again next year um, as scorecard season um, happens every November. Um, and it leads us to what we all know is the December, typical December board meeting where the MCC board uses the data from the scorecard to potentially pick new country partners for MCC. So with that, thank you all for... Uh, for having this conversation and for educating our listeners on how scorecard works, our new scorecard indicators, and some of the things we'd like to do with the new expanded country candidate pool. Thank you. Thanks for having us. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you prefer. And to learn more about MCC, please visit www.mcc.gov.